You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday through Friday, except that is no longer the case. As we have entered into off-season mode, you probably noticed there's only been one episode so far this week. I was going to let you guys know via social media, just never got around to it. Sorry about that. But now we are in off-season mode, which means you're going to have an episode on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for the weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers. Expect the Monday episode to come out Monday afternoon, early evening. Same thing likely for Wednesdays, potentially depending on what I have scheduled in Fridays. Right there in the morning, you have the weekly Friday mailbag. Again, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, where you can at me or DM me. No longer doing the uh, mailbag questions on YouTube. Just go ahead, follow me on Twitter, and DM me. Whatever your question is, a lot easier for me to find your questions that way instead of trying to parse through the ton of, of uh, comments that we get on YouTube. A lot of great interaction there. Just a little bit easier to find a Friday mailbag questions if you guys just directly give them to me via DM or at me over on Twitter, actually in council. But again, make sure to watch the show and watch every single episode here of Locked on Panthers on YouTube. And I ask you to subscribe also to the channel and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And this one, of course. At, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Odyssey, and all the other podcasting platforms that are out there in the podcasting universe. Okay, so Panthers back out on the field this week for OTAs, the third phase of it. They'll have mandatory minicamp very shortly going on at Bank of America Stadium in, I think, a couple, two weeks' time. And it'll wrap up that portion of the offseason, and they'll have their couple weeks off, and then they'll come back. And we'll be down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, on campus of Wofford College for training camp ahead of the 2022 season. So a lot of important things going on here right now for this team. As as I mentioned, leading into the show, if you're watching on on YouTube, there's been a lot of changes. We've seen the entire coaching staff pretty much be revamped, bringing Ben McAdoo. We've seen Joe Brady depart uh, towards the end of last season. They brought back Steve Wilkes. They brought in Paul Pascaloni. They brought in Chris Tabor to be the special teams coordinator. There's been a ton of changes there. Then player-wise, you've seen guys like Hassan Reddick leave. You've seen Stephon Gilmore leave. But you're able to retain guys like DJ Moore, you extended, who was going to be under contract anyway with the fifth-year option. And you bring back Dante Jackson. Then you add players like Matt Ioannidis. And you bring back Mar- Marquise Haynes. And there's you bring in Xavier Woods. And so there's been a lot of additions, a lot of changes that happen year in, year out here in Carolina. And I was sitting there here on today, on Wednesday, and watching Ben McAdoo's press conference, a new offensive coordinator. And let's go back to that time when the Panthers were looking for a new offense coordinator and more in particular, Matt rule, the head coach here in Carolina who was retained following another five win season, going five and 12, losing seven straight games. And a lot of people here in Carolina and across the world that are Panther fans were mad as hell and ready to move on, ready to bring someone else in. I talked to Roman Harper, former Panther a couple weeks ago, and he said that he didn't really look at the first two years as years that you could grade Matt rule on. But now here in year three, you can, I understand where he's coming from, but still, you want to see some sort of tangible growth and improvement from the team in the win-loss column last season uh, from what you saw in year one, where they went 5-11, and 11, especially when they made the change to go from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold. And quite honestly, the team at times felt like they were worse, losing the final seven games of last season, but they did improve. Special teams-wise, as far as the kicking game, when it came to Zane Gonzalez, that was one of the key storylines going to last year. Joey Sly, no competition for him. Then they bring in some kickers and they finally figure it out 
as it was going, as it ended up being Zane Gonzalez. So you have that position that you feel solid about. Defensively, they were phenomenal for the large part of the season. Not great against the run. That's something that needs to obviously change this upcoming year. But overall, like offensively, they just were atrocious. And when Matt Rule is trying to find an offensive coordinator, there was the rumors and reports that came out from Jay Glazer. He does a great job for Fox, but it's hard to really understand what he was reporting and how true it could be when he said that in order for Matt Rule to retain his job, he needs to find a rock star offensive coordinator. And if that's the case, okay, how is that even going to be possible considering he's on the hot seat? It's like, all right, if you don't hire this guy who comes in and he's a rock star, then you're gone. Who, what, top-of-the-line coordinator would want to come to Carolina and risk only being here for one season if Matt Rule and, of course, them didn't have success. It didn't really seem like it made a lot of sense to put that kind of uh, caveat into Matt Rule coming back when, you know, what uh, rock star offensive coordinator was going to be there. And Joe Brady was supposed to be a rock star offensive coordinator. We saw how that worked out. Matt Rule talked about going outside of his comfort zone. But this time around, he stayed within his comfort zone by getting Ben McAdoo, who had been out – on the street was a consultant with the Dallas Cowboys last year. It's been time as a quarterback coach down with the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple years ago after being fired in New York when he was the head coach. And he had done a great job as the OC. But for the most part, Ben McAdoo in the NFL and the community has become, the NFL community, um, so to say, has become sort of a punchline for the way he handled the Eli Manning situation, his appearance, especially his hair. And you don't look at the guy as someone that you think is going to come in and save your team, and certainly elevate you. But that was the best case scenario, really, for Matt Rule. Get a former head coach, and noticeably, on his initial staff, and even last year's staff, the first two years, didn't have a former head coach on this roster. Now he has Steve Wilkes, who comes back, the native son here of Charlotte, who spent time in the Carolinas as the defensive coordinator once upon a time. Now he's back here coaching the secondary. You've had a guy like Paul Pascaloni who spent time as your, now your defensive line coach, who spent time as a college head coach and been in the NFL for years. Chris Tabor was in an interim last year in Chicago. He's already spent time as an interim before. So you have that experience, which you didn't have. Now with Ben McAdoo, he's coming in and he has quite possibly the biggest role to play this season. When you look at the quarterback position that we spent a ton of time talking about here throughout this offseason, we might even continue to as Panthers are still open to the idea of potentially trading for a guy like Baker Mayfield. McAdoo comes in with a, a really good um, resume of working with quarterbacks. Obviously, Eli Manning up in New York and just his evaluations. They brought We brought up the New York Post article and as Panther fans have done their research. At the time, you look at it, it's like, okay, Ben McAdoo, like, this really feels like a Tom Coughlin kind of decision. Matt Rule, who is mentored by Tom Coughlin, really looks up to him. It seems like that's kind of where he went down. Like, hey, coach, who do you think would be a great guy? And you got Ben McAdoo, who no one else in the NFL was banging on his door being like, hey, Ben, come be our OC. And he had applied and interviewed to be the quarterback coach in past years and was passed up. But now he's an OC. And it's weird to think that how Sean Ryan is more equipped to be the quarterback coach of the Carolina Panthers, but then Ben McAdoo wasn't. But now he's equipped to be the OC. And really, a lot of his principles that he's taught as far as with footwork and bringing in the jump ropes and the way that they want to teach these quarterbacks, it's more Ben McAdoo than it is Sean Ryan. And yet they didn't want to bring him Ben, ben McAdoo last year. It makes you wonder how things could have been for Sam Darnold last season had he had Ben McAdoo here as a quarterback coach. And we'll never know. But now we might find out as he's here to potentially save Sam Darnold, whatever is left there, confidence-wise. And if he can get 
his fundamentals right and his footwork right, maybe he can play like number three overall pick that we hoped he would be. And same, or I mean, at least the Panthers traded traded for him, hope they could get that talent out of him, which we have not seen. Maybe in short spurts, but not overall over the course of a 17 game season um, so far in his career, especially here in Carolina. And then also with Matt Corral, who we talked a lot about and asked was, you know, we saw the Panthers confidential last time I talked to you. And we know that Ben McAdoo was a big part in their evaluation of Matt Corral and why he's here. And you wonder if Matt Corral would be here if Ben McAdoo wasn't. And you also wonder if things don't work out this year, what the next staff might feel uh, about Matt Corral. But still right now, he looked at Matt Corral as a productive physical player who willed Ole Miss to wins. He brought up how Eli Manning, you know, he had a higher winner percentage at Ole Miss, but Matt Corral is right behind there. A program until this season had never won 10 games in a regular season until Matt Corral was able to do that there. And he talks about how, how quickly he gets the ball out of his hands, things that we've talked about. But he also mentioned he has a lot of work to do. He has a good foundation with his footwork and the training he did at Ole Miss. But communication is going to be the biggest thing as they're going to have to institute both verbal and visual cues. In college, it's more like look at the sidelines, see what the – the crazy boards that we see of all those logos and memes and all that on there. And that's how you get the, get the play in the NFL. Yeah. You're, you're huddling. It's a lot slower pace. It's not as quick. Now. Yes. The college game has come into the NFL, but it's going to be a little bit longer a learning curve for him than it would back when he was playing college football. And even talk about Sam Darnold, how, you know, he's been putting a lot of time preparation wise being asked to do things he hasn't done in the past and bring down the fundamentals. I know somebody where a lot of people look to quote about how, you know, Sam was, um, new to a lot of these things and he's, he's new to the concepts he's learning under Ben McAdoo maybe learn new to some of the principles that he's trying to show him and Sam Darnold talked about it. this is his fourth offense in five years and how none of them have really been the same so that's difficult on him but Ben McAdoo coming here trying to not just help the quarterbacks but an offense that without Chris McCaffrey the last two seasons has struggled now with Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard in second year, if McCaffrey does have injuries, can they still be able to have a strong running game and be able to get something out of the running back pass game? And that wide receiver, we saw a large dip last year in their production across the board. Like DJ was great. Still a ton of drops. Robbie Anderson really fell off a cliff last season. Can he come back? Can Terrace Marshall show that promise and be that number three wide receiver? Can Shai Smithy comes back over Carolina? What can he add to this team? So it's not just that. It's also the tight end game where we have not seen anyone since Greg Olson suffered from his foot injuries and then left to go to Seattle and then overall retired. We haven't seen anyone here in Carolina provide that kind of production from that spot. And Ben McAdoo said today on Wednesday that he feels like that's one of the strongest position groups on the team. Okay, let's see it. Let's find out why the Panthers decided to extend Ian Thomas or to re-sign Ian Thomas and give him that money. Is it in large part because of Ben McAdoo? Let's see what he can do with Tommy Trimble. Let's see what he can do with um, Colin Thompson and with Steven Sullivan and all the other tight ends on his depth chart right now, because that would be something that we'd love to see uh, be a part of the passing game once again here in Carolina. And we've been used to it with Wesley Walls and with uh, Greg Olson and with guys leaving with Shockey briefly. We've seen it here in the past, and it just has not been the case here in Carolina the last couple of seasons. Of course, the offense line also has to be great. So Ben McAdoo, he comes in trying to fix one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And I look at him as quite possibly the biggest addition for the Carolina Panthers here in 2022. And it's weird to say that because I don't think at the time when he was hired, I or really many of you out there would have felt that way. Maybe you still don't. The more you research him, the more you think about what he's done in his, in the past, what he could potentially do here in Carolina, the more appetizing, but McAdoo does come as the, as the offensive coordinator here in Carolina for this upcoming season in 2022. So 
maybe he is the biggest addition for, in the offseason for Carolina Panthers. But, of course, we'll see once we actually get to the season. And once we get to the season, there's a couple guys that I'm really intrigued by here on this roster. Some guys are going to be asked to step up. Some guys are coming to Carolina for their first year. I'm going to go over some of the most intriguing players to me right now here on June 1st for the Carolina Panthers heading in 2022. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. If you listen to the podcast every day, at least now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you should know already that Built Bar is by far the best tasting protein bar. And guys, they have finally delivered something even more incredible. The Built Granola Bars are finally here. Built Granola Bars come in three. That's three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? Well, you can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate with 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar built granola bars will change your world built has cracked the code to better granola they're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch take on the road and eat as a snack so go to built.com right now and use promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off your first order use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at built.com So heading into the 2022 season, we still got a ways to go. Got this week of OTAs, next week of OTAs, and then they'll wrap up mandatory mini camp in a couple weeks. And that will be it for a while uh, here in Charlotte as Panthers will head down to uh, Spartanburg on the campus of Whopper College for a training camp. And there, we spent a lot of time talking about some players that were interested in seeing this season. And I think it's the easy ones are like, okay, what is Matt Corral going to look like if he gets an opportunity to compete? Ben McAdoo talked about today on Wednesday, June 1st at – he doesn't really see him as someone who's competing right now. Now, once they get to training camp, then they'll try to define roles. And it's not just, it's not just Matt Corral. He was asked about Terrace Marshall. Like, no, nah, we're just we're trying to learn the offense. Everyone's trying to learn the offense. Like, let's just do that. Go through install. We'll do it again once we get down to training camp. But that's when we're going to really be competing. So you're interested in seeing what Matt Corral will do. I obviously am interested in seeing what Matt Corral can do this season. Sam Darnold. Can he be saved? Is it possible? Can Ben McAdoo be someone who can finally get the best out of Sam Darnold? We have yet to see it in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, what does he look like? Obviously, you're interested in seeing what Aki Aquanu can do this season. I talked about on Monday, you know, which of the rookies, you know, needs to have the most, needs to have the biggest impact for the Panthers. It really feels like it's either Icky or Matt Corral. Maybe it's somebody else. And uh, of course, you're going to be interested in DJ Moore. But there's some other players, though. It's not really beneath the surface. Some other guys that I just look at, and I'm just really interested, super intrigued in what they potentially could do here in Carolina in 2022. And just, it's not necessarily like, will they meet that expectation? I'm just, I wonder just what they're going to do and what kind of role they might have as they might be vital to the Panthers having success in 2022 and getting back to the playoffs. And the first one is someone I already mentioned. It's Terrace Marshall. He's got an opportunity right now, this week and next, with OTAs going on before Robbie Anderson comes back from Florida and is there for mandatory minicamp, which we expect that he'll be there. And it's not a big deal. He's not here right now because he wasn't last season, but he's got an opportunity. I get he's not. And as I just mentioned, but Ben McAdoo said, he's not uh, competing for a role, but he is here for install. And I don't know where Robbie Anderson is in terms of his knowledge of the offense, but you would think it'd be beneficial to actually be here 
opposed to not. But hey, Robbie's doing what Robbie needs to do to prepare for the season. And he'll be here in a couple weeks. And then he'll be at training camp. And hopefully he'll bounce back in 2022. Either way, Terrace Marshall can get ahead of the curve here over Robbie Anderson. He has the great physical size and ability. And he just has not been healthy. And if he's finally healthy, what could he do? For this Panthers offense, that was someone that we were so excited to see last year. We had expectations for him. Maybe we shouldn't have considering his injury health in recent years. And even when he was drafted and at this period of time last year, he was barely participating, if at all, for the Carolina Panthers in OTAs in those workouts. So now this season, if he's healthy, the Panthers desperately need number three. Could he be that number two? Because eventually Robbie, probably after the season, won't be here in Carolina. And the Panthers are going to need someone to step up because outside of DJ Moore, you don't really know who you're going to be able to rely on past this season here in Carolina at the wide receiver position. And another person who comes from that same draft class and was actually picked around after him is Brady Christensen. We talked a lot last year about, oh, Brady Christensen, can he come in? Can he be that left tackle? The future was an All-American at BYU. Went up against guys like Joe Tryon Shoryinka, who's down in um, in Tampa Bay, who's going to be an adversary for years to come uh, in division with the Bucks and could Brady Christensen step in and could he be that left tackle of the future? He had the third round grade as a tackle, the second round grade as a guard. So that kind of let you know where they thought of him, uh, how they thought of him in those positions and that they likely saw him more as someone who could be in the interior. And Matt rules even brought up that maybe he could be a center and we'll see how that plays out. Cause there's not right now someone who's going to be a long-term center on the roster. Uh, maybe Cade Mays, or they're also playing at that position, the six round pick out of Tennessee, who they just took here a couple weeks ago. Um, but Pat offline probably done after this year, Bradley Bozeman, could be done after this year. Depends on how you can work out his contract, if at all, as far as an extension or getting re-signed here in Carolina at some point later on, especially after he proves it, if he does prove it. So who knows? But Brady Christensen, if he's, he's stepping in, going to play more snaps this year than obviously he played last year, but more than he probably needed to play more snaps. So we put a lot of pressure on him, a lot of expectations on, on him. He's been on the left side. Now the offensive line, likely situated at left guard playing next to a rookie in Iki Iquanu, who I have a ton of expectations for, a ton of hope for, and think that he can be that answer for the next decade at left tackle. Brady's got to kind of help him along. It's like, hey, he's the rookie. You're a second-year guy. you played that position before. What kind of advice can you offer him? And it also helps to have some sort of veteran presence next to a young player like that. You have it on the right side where you already have, not really a young player, so you have veterans in Austin Corbett. You're going to have Bozeman. You're going to have center. You're going to, you're going to have Bozeman, then Corbett, and then Moten. Then on the left side, really green. Why Brady Christensen needs to step up and needs to be ready to go so that he can help out that rookie and bring him along, even though Icky probably doesn't need anyone to bring him along, but it's also a good thought. Frankie Louvu, too. Hassan Reddick's gone. Matt Rule talked about, hey, okay, Hassan's gone. He's a great player, but I expect a lot of great things out of Frankie Louvu this year and Marquise Haynes and Etor Gross Mottos. And Scott Fitter has gone back and said in the past, so yeah, we look at Frankie as a starter. We brought him in to be a special teams guy. He did way more than that last season. And now this is his opportunity. Can he live up to it? I don't expect him to get 11 sacks this season. Can he get five? Can he get six? Can he somehow find a way to supplement that production that potentially could be lost, but at least was lost as far as the personnel being in Hassan Reddick heading back home to play the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't know. Matt Ionis is another one. Spoke to the media today after OTAs, and he's someone who, and there's a lot of weight talk that went on. We'll talk about that here in a couple minutes, too, because there is another player that I'm not going to mention right now, but there's another player I really need to see a lot out of in 2022. Matt Ioannidis, he's shown in the past that from the interior, he can wreak havoc. Seven and a half sacks, eight and a half sacks in back-to-back years back in Washington. 
last year and the year before he had dealt with, dealt with COVID, dealt with, dealt with some injuries last season. And he actually owned up to it, said he came into camp too heavy, that he didn't take care of his body and that he takes full responsibility for the injuries that he suffered last season. And maybe that's part of the Washington commanders now wanting to move off of him and deciding that, hey, yeah, you're out of here because he wasn't in the shape that he needed to be. And that hurt him and it hurt the team last season, especially the defensive line that went in with a ton of hype and praise after the year they had the year before getting in to the playoffs and and winning the division and taking Tampa Bay, the eventual Super Bowl champions, to the brink there at home in Landover, uh, up in Washington, or in Maryland, technically. So what now can Ioannidis do? He talked about how his comfort level coming here with the staff that he knows, Matt Rule haven't played for him, and with Phil Snow, of course, and now he's going to be right next to Derek Brown and can he be back? And he thinks like he said, he's back in that playing shape. And he, you got to be comfortable in that playing shape that he feels like this is where I want to be at now. And I think now that he's taking care of his body, maybe he can be that guy that can help out. Haven't seen Xavier Woods yet. He's he had a child. So that's someone who intrigues me. Not tons to say about him. Corey Littleton, can he get that form back that he used to have with the Rams? And that led to him getting that starting gig and that money with, with the Raiders, but didn't really live up to it. Deontay Brown, where is he factoring the offensive line? I love Darren Gant of the Panthers.com who came out and had a tweet. He's and he took a picture of Cade Mays and of Deontay Brown's like, Hey, in this picture, you see the Panthers have something resembling offensive line depth. So really Terrace Marshall, Brady Christensen, Frankie Louvre, Matt Ioannidis, and even those last three that I mentioned, Xavier Woods, Corey Littleton, Deontay Brown might not be players that we talk about all the time, but there's certainly players that are very intriguing to me heading into this 2022 season as they're going to play their part. Cause Matt Ioannidis talked about, doing 111th of your due. Like, that's what I'm trying to do is my job. My job is 111th of everything out there. Can those guys fill those roles and play their role and be someone who can help elevate this team this upcoming season? We'll see. But I'm intrigued to see what their production could be. And someone whose production that I think the Panthers desperately need here in 2022 is Derek Brown's. No-brainer pick there at number seven overall a couple seasons ago in 2020. The first two years just have left a lot to be desired. Not saying that he's disappointed, but he has been a tad bit underwhelming. We'll get into Derek Brown in the season that he needs to have here in 2022 in just a moment here on Locked On Panthers. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting, the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online where the game starts. Let's go back to draft night. A couple years ago, 2020, we're all isolated in our homes, wishing we could go out and live our lives, but COVID was wreaking havoc early on in the world and here in the United States. And we're sitting there trying to find some respite in the NFL draft and our beloved Carolina Panthers and wondering what is this new head coach, Matt Rule, going to do there with the number seven pick? And, I remember being on um, a, a live stream. I think it was NBC Charlotte WCNC's live stream talking draft. I think right before it, maybe leading up to the pick with John Ellis, who does a great job with his podcast, Billy Marshall, the roar, go check those guys out. They do a great job over with the blue wire podcast network. If you're ever looking for some more Carolina Panthers information and other perspective out there, I'm always love what those guys do and working hard. I'm also was talking to Eugene Robinson who we remember was on a radio broadcast for all those years. And then, of course, Nick Carboni, the sports director over at WCNC. And just we we're going over just what the Panthers could possibly do there at seven. And 
the key debate that night was Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, a jack of all trades, dude who could be a defensive end, could play linebacker, could play safety, kind of similar to a guy the Panthers later on took there in the second round, that being Jeremy Chin, who has been, well, a lot better so far in his first two years than Isaiah Simmons. So maybe they didn't make the bad decision at all, but it was between Simmons, someone who you got to figure out where you're going to fit him in your defense, and now we've seen how Phil Snow has done it. Yeah, he knows how to use anybody in his defense and get the best out of him. Hassan Reddick was another one of those players where it's like, oh, he's kind of undersized. How do you use him? Phil Snow found out a way to use Hassan Reddick and got him paid up in Philadelphia. But it was between Simmons and Derek Brown, who absolutely wreaked havoc on the SEC for four years. And I love that he was a guy who was like, I'm going to go back, get my degree, play one final year, and just absolutely destroy every quarterback. Kyle Trask, uh, even Joe Burrow, the only defense that season that even remotely stopped. And they did. They, I think they held LSU to like 13 points that day. The only defense that was able to do that was Auburn. Unfortunately, Bo Nix is their quarterback, and they couldn't do anything offensively. But Derrick Brown in that defense had a day, had a season. He was incredible. And he was somewhere where you looked at all, uh, when you looked at all of the uh, mock drafts, that people were saying, yeah, number seven, Panthers need a defensive end. You saw the defensive lineman that just left, got an older player in Kawan Short, who was out there at OTAs, by the way, today, KK. And Matt Rule saying one of his favorite players. <laughs> Dude, you barely coached him because he was injured. But Derrick Brown, he was a, he seemed like the choice for a lot of people out there who in the media and he ended up being the choice of the Carolina Panthers as they passed on Isaiah Simmons, which again turned out to be the right decision as Jeremy Chin in the second round has turned out to be a better player than Simmons so far in the national football league. The only problem with Derek Brown when he was drafted is you knew that, okay, he's a good player. can be can be a run stuffer. He got to the faster a little bit, but he's not necessarily going to be someone who's going to go out there and get 10-plus sacks. He's not going to do what Matt Ioannidis has done in the past. Now, Ioannidis, of course, has not gotten a double-digit sacks, but if really, if we're going to compare him to the guy, let's compare him to the guy who was there when he first got here, playing next to him, briefly, uh, K.K. Short. Derek Brown was not going to be K.K. Short. He was not going to be someone who's going to get that many sacks and have that kind of impact at that size. And that's just how special K.K. was. He was going to be more of like a Star Latula, but you would hope, It'll give you a little bit more pass rushing from the interior and be more of a game record, even though Starr has been a really solid player in the National Football League, especially here in Carolina in his time up in Buffalo. That's what you kind of expected at Derrick Brown, but I don't really feel like we've gotten that. And maybe some fans wanted more as far as pass rush from Derrick Brown, and I think it really hurt him his, his rookie year to not have KK, who had another shoulder injury and was out for the majority of that season. I think he missed 13 games that year, and to be a rookie – Having Zach Carr next to you had been a journeyman in the National Football League and trying to find your way. And he had a good night in Green Bay. He got better towards the end of that season. Then next year, you're coming into 2021, you're thinking, okay, hey, rookie year's done. Got more of a normal process training camp leading up to the season. Like, this is going to be it. And still didn't feel like you got what you wanted to see out of him. Daquan Jones came over, had been a good player in Tennessee. Now he's going to Buffalo, got paid. He was a good player here last year. Just Derek Brown got benched later on in the season of the Buffalo game. We just not have not seen it. He hasn't been disappointing, but he has been a little underwhelming. And I, I love the guy. The personality seems great. <laughs> he was talking about, you know, the, the barbecue and, and you know, just – his kids always going to Chick-fil-A and he's like, I, I kind of, I got to eat it like Monday through Friday and keep my weight in order. But on the weekends, you know, I'm going to kind of get a little bit loose, which probably not the best idea 
as again, weight was a huge topic on Wednesday afternoon as they asked about Matt Ioannidis' weight, Brian Burns' weight, of course, and um, Derek Brown's. And Brown said he, t- he played at 325. His rookie year, I think he was at 330 last year. Now he's trying to get down to 320 this season, and he feels like that's where he wants to be moving forward. And that's where he thinks that he is at his best. And Matt Rule even talked about Derek Brown just needs to be himself. He can't be at this weight trying to be a three technique or such and such. That's just not who he is. He's a guy who can be a really good run stuffer and in situationally maybe give you something in the interior to put guys off their platform there in the pocket playing the quarterback position. Maybe he can be that, but he certainly needs to be a leader. And he's not the most vocal guy, as he mentioned to the media on Wednesday, but he's going to be someone who's going to lead by example. Year three. Let's see that leap from year two to year three. Second time you're right there. Having a full normal offseason. Now, this one's far more normal than last year even. And the year before, of course, when COVID was going on, you got an old school guy, as Brian Burns described him, Paul Pascaloni as your, as your defensive line coach. It's time to see it. Because it's not just on the field, but financially, this is an opportunity. Third year, next May, they're going to figure out whether they want to give him the fifth-year option or not. If he does not perform at a high level this year, then I don't think the Carolina Panthers are going to sit there and be like, yeah, Derek Brown, that's somebody who we want to be a part of our future. So big season for him and someone that I really want to see make a major impact with this Carolina Panthers team because, Lord, they need it, especially when it comes against the run. One final thing, Matt Corral. Missed OTAs on Wednesday because of tragedy, apparently, in his family. Called Matt Rule early in the morning around 5.30 from what Rule said, saying that he had a tragedy in his family. So um, my thoughts go out to him. Heart goes out to him. Hopefully everything is going to be all right. Obviously, things seem not to be great, but hopefully he'll be okay and uh, they can move forward. So anyone out there, you know, show your support out there. Matt Corral someone who we hope will be here a long time as a starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. So just want to mention that here on the show. But again, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. We are, once again, in off-season mode. So Monday evenings, Wednesday evenings probably, and then Friday morning, you'll have your podcast. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that will be the schedule until we get down to training camp down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, on the campus of Wofford College. Then we'll be right back to five episodes a day because that's what we're going to need by then. And even if there's any breaking news that happens, like say the Panthers do trade for Baker Mayfield that week, you'll get five episodes. because There's going to be plenty to talk about. But right now, as OTAs, when we hear from them one time and we have mandatory minicamp, then we have that massive lull. It's time to kind of take a breath, breathe a little bit, and then just only put out three episodes right now. So that's what we're going to do here. But if there ever anything happens that needs to be talked about, needs to be discussed, you might get an extra bonus episode or five episodes that week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that is going to be the schedule right now until we get down to training camp here on Locked On Panthers. And to catch every episode, which more important now than ever, make sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Stitcher, Spotify. Make sure to go out there and do that. Subscribe to the show. Rate, review, subscribe to Locked On Panthers. You don't miss ever a single episode. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. That's what we're doing. And Fridays, of course, going to continue to do the weekly Friday mailbag. Now, though, like we used to do in just the old podcasting days, and still most of our audience is on the podcast platform anyway, but make sure to follow me on Twitter and at me on Twitter or DM me on Twitter to get in your weekly Friday mailbag questions. Don't leave them on YouTube. Comments, way too many comments, but just leave them in my DMs. I'll get to them. Might go through YouTube every once in a while. We might not have a lot because people haven't gotten them, but still, listener here, DM me at Julian Council, whatever questions you have for the weekly Friday mailbag, and I'll answer them continuously every single Friday here on Locked on Panthers. In the meantime, take care, keep pounding, and I will talk to y'all on Friday.